It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. Com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And Horwat, what did I tell you yesterday when we were prepping for this show? I looked at the calendar. We're about three weeks away from the opening of training camp. We're almost to the end of the NHL offseason. I'm very excited about this. Like, I did not realize how close we were to the beginning of training camp. And it's the same thing as, as football training camp. You get to the first day of training camp. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, excited, ready for preseason hockey. And then after the first preseason game, you're like, okay, I'm ready for the real thing to start. But nonetheless, we're in that stage of getting ready for preseason hockey. How excited are you that we're about to see at least Penguins players start to ascend back to the city of Pittsburgh? We're at least about to see Penguins events and Penguin things happening on the same calendar page. Because mm-hmm. I uh, just finally wrote in all the days that I had my season tickets for with the half plan. Um, so I got those dates circled on my calendar. It's going to be nice to see the month of September roll around. The chill is going to hit the air. Football season's starting. Uh, I mean, whatever say the chill is in the air. It's going to be 90 degrees today, so, you know. Yeah, the chill's not in D.C., I can tell you that much. No, it was, <laughs> it was hot yesterday. But, yeah, the chill will be eventually rolling around and... Things will feel like hockey season yet again. It's going to be nice. It's going to be a fun year. It's going to be an interesting year. I think we're all expecting... We don't have high expectations, but from what was supposed to be, and it ended up being just for a very, very short period of time, the most eventful summer in in recent memory for the Penguins could lead into one of the most intriguing seasons. Because for once, Mm -hmm. um, the expectations are higher. I think everyone counted them out for long enough that finally people realized, oh, we can't count these guys out anymore, despite them being old. So, let's exceed expectations, boys. I think a big thing about the expectations, too, is when you go toe-to-toe with a team that went as far as the New York Rangers did without a first or second string goaltender, and without your goaltender, or sorry, goaltender again, uh, without your captain for a game and a half, as well as without one of your top six forwards for six of the games, I think people start to say, oh, they were good enough to win that series. They just couldn't put it all together. So now people are saying, oh, they're bringing players back. They're improving on the back end. That's the overall belief. Tristan Jari's heading into a contract season. What does that mean? So there's a lot of storylines heading into this season. I'm excited. I know I'll be up there for the beginning of training camp. I know I'll be there on day one against the Arizona Coyotes. I'm very excited for that, making the trip back up to Pittsburgh. But let's get into some Penguins talk right now and talk a little bit 
about what we have going on. A lot of defense talk in this episode, and we want to lead it off with Marcus Pedersen because he's a guy that has been on the trade block for, it seems like, since he signed that contract. So at the very least, the last two seasons, Marcus Pedersen's name has been on the chopping block. So I want to ask you, Horwat, with the way that this summer has worked out, with what the defense looks like right now with the logjam, with what the salary cap looks like, do you think Marcus Pedersen should still be on that trade block? That's honestly one of the hardest questions we've asked all summer because a lot of in most in most situations, I think I would say yes because it's the last year before his uh, clause kicks in. Not that we still couldn't move him, but it's the last year before where it's still just completely open. Uh, it's a big number at uh, 4.025 against the cap. He's young. He has a future ahead of him still. Definitely as an NHL defenseman. Yeah. That some other team should be willing to take up. I mean, yeah, it's an expensive contract, but maybe you just play out two and a half years of it and mm-hmm. go from there and figure it out. Maybe to like a cap, maybe a team that's low on the cap floor, whatever you need to do. The issue is, and I forget who brought it up now, but I've been falling back on it ever since I heard it, is what do you do if Brian Dumoulin gets hurt then? Because then you are down to whoever they end up putting there. Because your fallback is Marcus Pedersen in that situation. And if he's not there, you got to go to your third option, which is... Could be Jan Ruda, could be Ty Smith, could be Mark Friedman. And you have to remember, that's the guy playing with Chris Letang. Mm-hmm. If Brian Dumoulin goes down. So, in your mind, you probably go, well, trade Brian Dumoulin then. <laughs> That's a little harder to do because he's in his last year. He's 30, and what does he have left in the tank? I think he could still turn it around. You never know. Mm-hmm. But as for right now, if Marcus Patterson should be on or off the block, I have to go with off just because of that injury-prone Brian – just because of how injury-prone Brian Dumoulin can be. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at, at Pedersen, the, the biggest thing you're highlighting is that left side of the defense. The one thing the Penguins did this summer while they did change – a lot of their defense core is they shored up that right side. There's four NHL caliber everyday starting players that are on the right side of the Penguins defense. Now, obviously, Chris Letang is the leader, and we'll talk about Chris Letang here coming up because he was named to the NHL's top 20 defenseman list. We'll let you know where he ranked in our second segment. But we also added Jeff Petrie. I think that is an upgrade from anybody that we saw on the Pittsburgh Penguins last year behind Letang. Uh, I think they also added a really good defensive defenseman in Jan Ruda. And Chad Ruweedle was really impressive. And we can get into this another day, but I really think that the fact that Ruweedle's not going to find himself an everyday spot, and I really don't think he is going into this season, is kind of a shame considering how long he waited for it and how well he did last season. But that's, like I said, that's a conversation for a different day. But when looking at the left side, conversely, I mean... Yeah, Brian Dumlin is that guy. He has been that guy in the past, and you're hoping that he comes off that MCL injury and he's able to be a top-pairing defenseman with Chris Letang. And then it's Pedersen, because if Dumlin can't do that, if he can't stay healthy, I don't know if Pedersen's ready to step into that role, but he's more ready than anybody else. I mean, we mentioned that Jan Ruda played with Victor Hedman on the left side last season for Tampa Bay, but he didn't eat up the minutes that a player that like Brian Dumoulin is asked to eat up, and Pedersen's in that same boat. If he gets bumped up to that first line, he's going to have to play 25 minutes a game. And I'm not sure Pedersen's quite ready for that. Now, listen, Pedersen is much better than the public wants to say. Because the issue being, 
He played with John Marino on a pair last year, which isn't a bad thing for the Penguins because this is a good defensive pairing for them. But what do we always say? If you're a good defensive defenseman, nobody's going to talk about you. And that's the thing. Nobody talked about them in a positive light because their positive stuff isn't flashy. And that was their entire pairing the entirety of last season. But if you look at the numbers for last season, and I'll pull up a graphic here for those watching on us on YouTube. It's from the Andy and Roto social media page. Marcus Pedersen was ranked in the 82nd percentile among defensemen. He had almost a career year when it came to points. Two goals, 17 assists, 19 points. That's not what you're looking for from Marcus Pedersen. But what am I looking at on this entire thing? Defense, 98th percentile. 79th in play driving, 92nd in denials. That's huge for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then the other thing that I look at in transition is his possession exits at 64%. So those are big things that he does well. That if you think about it, nobody, like your everyday viewer of the NHL, doesn't just look at that. But if you look at this graphic, and it is backed by, obviously, facts and stats and everything that goes into it, and Andy and Roto do a great job with this visualization, then you look at this and say, oh, he is a top four, like a a bona fide top four defenseman in the National Hockey League, and he's played as such, even though his contract might be higher, he's still, especially if you look at the left side of the Penguins' defense, he's one of the best options he got. He really is, and I'm trying to remember, these numbers were... Um, we're pretty good compared to the league. I'm trying to remember where that like 98% sat um, amongst other defensemen in the league. It was pretty high. The 98th percentile. That's that's where he is. Yeah, but I'm not like like there was like only a few like an uh, only a few that had a higher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he was one of the best defensive defensemen in the league last year. Underratedly so, though. In terms of def- defensive defense, yeah, it's. It was interesting to see that because it's not exactly the player you would expect to be on a list like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, there, I found it. Uh, but it's fun to see that his numbers did this well because it's not... Mm-hmm. It's, a quiet, it's a quiet game for sure. It's not exactly what you would expect, but um, just pretty incredible stuff. And this is the kind of thing you would need to continue. He is the defensive defenseman that maybe could take over for Brian Dumoulin. Let's say we ship him out. Or let's say Dumoulin gets hurt. We can have a little faith in Marcus Patterson to step up in that situation. We just need to see the consistency first. I think that was one of his biggest bouts through this whole thing was he wasn't ultra consistent through uh, throughout the season. Also, it was sixth in the league. Sixth behind. I mean, yeah, you have to figure the names in front of him because these are uh, – analytical numbers Jonas Siegenthaler Charlie McAvoy Miro Heiskanen Jared Spurgeon and Adam Pellick and then him but still those aren't knocks in any you know it's they're all guys in the same position they're defensive defensemen that people don't really think about as good because they don't put up 60 70 points a game or like Roman Yossi 95 points in a season yeah and you have to figure that spot that sixth spot came up in front of Jacob Slavin and Devin Taves yeah there you have it Yeah, and here's the thing. We're not coming out here and saying, hey, he should be praised as one of the best Penguins defensemen. No, but going into this season, maybe you shouldn't have him on the trade block. I mean, because let's look at what the Penguins are doing overall in their defense. They have nine NHL-caliber defensemen, and we talked to Nick Hart of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. He's a play-by-play announcer down there. He said, listen, 
P.O. Joseph has more than proved that he's ready. It's just a matter of if he's more ready than the guys ahead of him. So there are nine quality candidates for six potential jobs and the seventh, of course, being the healthy scratch. But two guys are going to be sent down out of these nine. So when you look at this nine, maybe somebody does get traded. If you're, if you're Ron Hextall, maybe you do trade somebody away because I don't know if you want to carry nine guys throughout the entirety of the season. It's not like they don't have options behind that as fill-ins, but at the same time, do you think before the season starts, and then we'll get into if another one happens during the season, do you think before the season starts, one of these nine defensemen are off the team? I know we've asked it before, but has your opinion changed as the summer has gotten older? It's so hard to say. I don't, because I, you had to figure things would have happened A, maybe A by now, mm-hmm. but also B because there is a logjam, yeah. But you look at these names and all of a sudden you're like, you realize, oh, everyone here has a role though. Chris Letang won the, the number one defenseman. Brian Doolin, his running mate, despite <clears throat> inconsistency and injuries, can probably still cut it enough to play alongside Chris Letang. Marcus Pedersen, fall guy for an injury-prone Mark uh, Brian Dumoulin. Uh, Jeff Petrie, the new guy. Let's see what he can do. He's the new guy. He's the big, expensive contract we took on. He has to do something. He should be better than John Marino. Yeah. Jan Ruda. I like him as the Chad Ruedel option. But then there's Chad Ruedel. Oh, hey, the step-in guy. Mm-hmm. Ty Smith, the, the, the project for the future. The wild card, honestly. Yeah, the wild card. Mark Friedman. Oh, he's the pest. Whenever we're in a bind, throw him in. P.O. Joseph. The future is now. Everyone in this system, despite there being so many of them, has a role. It's a matter of which role are we dumping off. Mm -hmm. Because you kind of want all those roles to work out somewhere. It just sucks that they're all in defense and can only fit six guys. Let's say, like, the project piece for the future was a forward. Suddenly, it's a whole different conversation. Yeah, yeah, you could send him down and he could become Alex Nylander or he could become Valtteri Pustinen or Sam Poulin. But the thing that I'm looking at and what I think might happen, now this is something like tinfoil hat conspiracy. This is just my prediction on what might happen and it all depends on who performs at training camp, obviously. But I think considering what we've seen in the past plus what this year means, I think P.O. Joseph makes the team out of camp. So when I say there's going to be two guys that have to get sent down, I think one of them is going to end up being Ty Smith because he can. I mean, he's not he, he's he's waiver exempt. And I think Mark Friedman does, but I think unfortunately Mark Friedman has proved enough over the past couple of seasons with the Penguins that he probably gets picked up on waivers and that's what ends up happening. Obviously, you want to get something in return for him, but I think that's what like I I feel like that's what's going to end up happening because it doesn't feel like a trade is on the precipice here. Like nobody knows because it's it's Ron Hextall, but I really do feel like that's what's going to end up happening is because you're going to see the six, Ruedel being the seventh, and then it's going to be Ty Smith because he's waiver exempt, and it's going to be Mark Friedman, but I think he gets claimed on waivers. It, that's possible. The waivers are weird because you see a ton of people go through waivers all the time during the season, but no one really picks anyone up mm-hmm. um, unless they're from coming from Toronto. <laughs> now, I wouldn't yeah. be shocked to see Friedman get picked up. He's definitely a guy that certain teams could use. Oh yeah. He's oh a, yeah. He's he's a team we could he's a player we could use, really. The Penguins could use him. So it's an interesting plus he's young, he's cheap, he's got decent future. Didn't he just resign that contract too for two more years? He did. Yeah, he just got a new contract. But at, at the same time, so did so did so Ruedel. Yeah. I mean so the only person that you really haven't seen this management group back up 
it is Brian Dumlin, Barkus Pedersen, and P.O. Joseph. Like, those are the three guys that, for their contracts, do not touch this ownership or management group. The other eight guys, or sorry, six, seven guys, they are all signed under contracts that Ron Hextall has A-OK'd. Yeah. Could be fun. Could be fun. I, Mark Freeman slipping through waivers. I could also see him making it through, though, just because the waiver wire is so weird. Yeah, and sometimes people go on the waivers and you look at it and you say, how did nobody want that? But maybe it just doesn't fit at a certain time. Maybe they don't think they're going to mesh, especially with a guy like Friedman. Maybe people think he's not going to mesh with our locker room. I know that Friedman would be a perfect example of a Philadelphia Flyers defenseman, but I think that bridge may have been burned since he came over to Pittsburgh and the way he's played against them and the way they've conversely played against him. But like, I, I feel like somebody would have space for a bottom pairing defenseman like Mark Friedman and if he's on the waivers and they need it early in the season I feel like they would jump on that opportunity but you know maybe the Penguins get lucky and that doesn't happen and he clears through to Wilkes-Barre but I really that's what I think is going to happen it's it's just a guess it's not backed by or substantiated by any rumors or anything but looking into it pending obviously the performances that P.O. Joseph would have to outplay both of them that's what I feel like is the most likely scenario as of right now. Another thing too is you have to think of when ev- there's going to be that one t- that like that one day where it's every team is dropping people through waivers. Yeah. How many claims actually get made there because every team's dropping people? It's not like they're taking people on at the same time. Yeah, I don't think there's a I think with GMs on those certain days when teams are trying to get roster compliant for the beginning of the season if they don't already have their eye on somebody that says, "Hey, if they drop them or if they if they put them on waivers, we're going to take them." They're not going to they're not going to sift through the waiver wire. I mean, what else do they do all day, I guess? But yeah, I, so I feel like, like you don't see it enough that if if it doesn't happen that much, it's because people are like, "Yeah, we're waiting for a certain player to hit waivers and if that player doesn't, then we're not doing anything." Yeah, so maybe, you know, Mark Freeman can just like fly through the weeds with all of the other players that are going to hit waivers at the same time. You never know mm-hmm. because like I said, if every other team is dropping a player, well, they're dropping them. They're not going to take another guy on just to drop another one or yeah. vice versa or like try and just do more maneuvering. They're just trying to get their players down and move on. Plus, cert- there are certain days, it seems, where general managers understand, hey, let's not do a move today because it's waiver day, whatever. Yeah, And they well. just send everyone down. I don't know. There, there's got to be that big 32-man group chat. Sorry, 31. Lou Lamorello doesn't have a smart enough phone. Lou Lamorello does not want to be in a group chat with the rest of the league. I can promise you that. Exactly. So there's a 31 GM group chat out there that says, hey, guys, don't touch anyone today. It's waiver day. And sending everyone through. Probably. I mean, Except for need... obvious exceptions. Like you said, if another GM has an eye on someone specific, that might hit the wire. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's kind of like the thing. We need, we need like, the Pat McAfee of the NHL, which is, I guess, spit and chicklets to go out and actually start interviewing GMs, but we know NHL GMs don't often do stuff like that. Billy Garrett needs to spill the beans. He's the one that's the most active. But, no, when when looking at this defense, and, and that's where I think it's going to be, and, and this might be completely off, and my opinion might change in three weeks when I go to training camp and see what it actually looks like when all nine of these guys are on the ice together for the first time, but I really think it's going to end up being Dumoulin, Latang. Pedersen, Petrie, 
Joseph and Ruda. I, I think that's what ends up being the top six with Ruedel being that seventh defenseman. And I do want to highlight one last thing before we, we move on. We can talk about it a little bit. Jesse, Jesse Marshall is a big friend of the show, obviously covers the Penguins for The Athletic. He posted on Twitter about a week ago, said, Take Marcus Pedersen and Jeff Petrie are going to be very good together. Assuming the former isn't the one moved and the defensive logjam, which we just talked about, I just see that the utopian, quote, puck-moving guy and stringently defensive guy pairing should be a good Mal- good for Malkin too. less breakout solo work. I completely agree. I think that he highlighted exactly why we've talked on this podcast already for the first 20 minutes that Marcus Pedersen should probably be taken off the trade block. And he might be, but in the public's eyes, he should be taken off the trade block. Probably. Absolutely. So I, I like that. I think that's going to be a good, that could be a very good pairing. Could, and a pa- could be a ton of fun. It's... And a pairing, like we said, that there's going to be more flashy stuff from Petrie. So maybe Pedersen gets looked at in a better light for his defensive play because he's not playing in a shutdown defensive pairing that doesn't produce that much. Yeah. And you have to remember this, the, we just talked about him all of last week, or two weeks ago, the amount of uh, difference that Todd Reardon brings to the team as a defensive coach. That's also true. So let's start and uh, let's switch over and talk about Todd Reardon's favorite defenseman. That's Chris Letang. We'll do that right after this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We had something lined up here, but I guess we should realize that every Sunday night at like 10 o'clock p.m., NHL Network decides to drop their next version of a top 20 list. So this is what we're going to talk about here. Chris Letang ranked the number six defenseman by NHL Network. Horwat, before we get into anything else, is that higher or lower than you expected? Right on. Right Somehow on. right on. I, <laughs> without doing any research and looking into it too far, uh, it's about right on. Because the NHL Network is going to be a little stingy. They're not going to put Chris Letang in the top five. But you also they also know you can't drop him out of the top ten, especially mm-hmm. not after the season he just had. Could have. Let's be honest. Let's say NHL players going to the Olympics, he could have made that team probably. Yeah. Judging by how they're not five Canadian defensemen in front of him, mm-hmm. he could have made that team. That being said, we knew he wasn't going to get placed in front of a guy like Roman Yossi after the season he had, or Kale McCarr after winning the Stanley Cup. It's a good spot for him. It's like perfectly right where I would have put him. Maybe maybe five, because uh, Charlie McAvoy's not a top five defenseman. Don't at me. <laughs> yeah, honestly, and that's where I was thinking too. I was like, I don't, I don't understand the hype around Charlie McAvoy. Maybe I don't watch him enough I know he's one of the top 10 defensemen in the National Hockey League but I feel like Chris Letang does a lot more than McAvoy does but that again might be because I simply I watch Letang more often than I watch Charlie McAvoy but I agree this is a really good spot for him you mentioned that there's not five defensemen ahead of him that are Canadian there's only one and that's Kale McCarr so 
Uh, yeah, he's the second best and second ranked Canadian defenseman in the NHL. That's pretty high honors from NHL Network. And if you look at the top five, it is McAvoy at five, Fox at four, Yossi at three, Hedman at two, and Makar at one. You got a bunch of Norris Trophy winners ahead of Chris Letang and then Charlie McAvoy. So I don't think you can be quite upset with this top 20 list. Not that many people do get that upset with this top 20 list. At least we don't. But it's a good spot for Chris Letang. He's getting his flowers on a national scale. And maybe this leads into a season where he can actually fight to get into that top three of Norris Trophy voting once again. I know it's hard to crack it, especially with four guys like we mentioned in the top that are usually going to be immediately put in there and have to do something horrible to be taken out. I think Latang is primed sort of like a college football team. He's in a good position to start the season, which makes it that much easier to get into that top three. He is. And he's got more coming for him. We know he has these extra six years that he has to prove to still be one of the best to ever do it, especially with the Penguins. Um, he's building, and let's be honest here, a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, if he can he's trying. Keep, yeah, if he can remain as good as he's been for at least two more, I think he's got it locked up. The four year, the four years after, I mean, I mean, come on, we've seen Hall of Famers have more than four bad years. Yeah, and where I'm not even saying he's gonna have four bad years, I'm saying this upcoming upcoming season, bare minimum, we know he's gonna be good. The season after that, maybe we take a flyer and figure things out, and then we go from there. But to still be in the top ten, let alone the top twenty of a list like this says a lot he's getting his national recognition and i i don't think he moves up any higher going forward just because no i mean it's probably the highest we're gonna see him yeah because we know kale mccarr is only gonna get better (laughs) roman yossi's gonna stick around adam fox is only gonna get better i think charlie mcavoy is there because he is a capable defenseman who could who stepped in for overrated zidane ochara i think that's why he's there Uh, let's just be honest big market original six franchise he's from the area is he not i'm not sure where he's from i know he's he's u.s born i'll look yeah. that up real quick for you um a local kid if that's true he's he stepped in for one of the most maybe not overrated here he stepped in to a role that was left by a hall of famer mm-hmm. and he's been doing it decent enough because he took because he took that spot the same year i think chara crew and Kru, no crew did leave the same year but mm-hmm. Krug left the year prior, and I thought that I lost another defenseman that's that's not coming to me right now. It was all of a sudden Charlie McAvoy's defense, and somehow Boston's still a playoff team. Yeah, yeah. they're going to give him his flowers for that. Yeah, so Charlie McAvoy is, it depends on what you want to say, from the area. He was born in Long Beach, New York, but also went to school at Boston University, which that's is probably right. why you're, you're thinking that. But yeah, no, Charlie McAvoy is beloved by the Boston Bruins faithful, and I think he's a really good, like, don't get me wrong. He is a top 10 NHL defenseman. Yes. But I do agree with you. It's funny you bring up Zdeno Chara when you mentioned, you know, even if Latang has four bad seasons, he's put enough on tape there he could be considered. Zdeno Chara's last however many seasons were not good National Hockey League seasons, and he's still considered potentially a first ballot Hall of Fame player. So, oh, yeah, go ahead and start talking. My uh, camera just completely <laughs> fell off. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's my point. Yeah, he is definitely going to be a top 10. Charlie McAvoy is definitely going to be a top 10 defenseman, regardless of whether I like it or not. But I think maybe if Lutang was to make a jump over someone, it's going to be him. As for the rest of the list, we know everyone around the league is also getting better, plus more defensemen entering the league. You never know what's going to happen there. 
Yeah. Rasmus Dalin was in this top 20. If he, Let's say the Buffalo Sabres not, yeah. not make the playoffs, but pop off for a good stretch and make a competition, make it decent, and it's because of him, you see him jump way up on that list. So, And I said this for a while ago, defense is a changing position in the league. Everyone's starting mm-hmm. to play like Bobby Orr a little more than Nicholas Lindstrom, where mm-hmm. it is not free-for-all, but there's much more of a offensive aspect put on these defenders these days. Roman Yossi scored 95 points last exactly. year. Exactly. 95 points. Like, if you would have told me that seven years ago, I would have said, like, really? Like, defenseman scored 95 points? Come on now. And his name's I would have thought it was Kale McCarr. It, well, seven years ago, I didn't know who Kale McCarr was. But, yeah, oh, seven I seven years ago. I thought you said last year. <laughs> yeah, no, seven years ago. But, like, if you look at this list, there's a lot of young guys that are going to move up. Moritz Sider is ranked 11th. He is going into his second year in the National Hockey League. But do we need to say any more? Kale McCarr is heading. I mean, he he feels like he's been around for a long time. I think it's his fourth year. He's number one. Adam Fox, same position at number four. I mean, Devon Taves is getting a lot of respect. He's at number eight. I mean, the Islanders look worse and worse for getting rid of him. Miro Haskinen at 10. There's a lot of really young players. And then you have your John Carlson's, your your Chris Letang's, who are still getting a lot of respect. But you look a couple years in the future, those guys are going to take that top five role, especially, I think, a guy like, you know, Marit Sider is going to be in the top five probably by next season. So it's a position that is evolving. It is a position that you need to be able to score an offensive clip if you want to get even in the sniffing distance of the Norris Trophy. So I think it's still something that Chris Letang could do coming off a career season where even though he only scored 10 goals, which is low for him, he had 58 assists for 68 points. Career high. So you have to put a lot of respect on his name. That, and he plays 25 minutes a game plus. Sometimes he's up in the 30s, 31, 32 minutes, especially if it goes into extra time. So Chris Letang is still one of the premier defensemen in the league. NHL Network believes it. I believe it. You believe it. Most people with a brain still believe it, and you can chronicle that until the cows come home. But obviously the Pittsburgh Penguins believe it as well because they signed Letang to a six-year contract, $6.1 million. I still think it's a bargain, especially early on in the deal. And as of right now, you're getting the sixth best defenseman for $6 million, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I think... Once again, you got to just commend Ron Hextall for the job that he did on that contract, at least in the early stages. At least in the early stages. And you know what? That's all we can ask for. 59 games away from 1,000. Well, hey. with six years left on the deal, I think he's going to do it. Well, yeah, eventually. But it'd be nice to see him get it this season because we know Malkin's going to get it this season. And it's always, you know, let them both have their moment in the sun. And that way you also, Malkin's going to be early in the year, about a month in. The Tangs will be late in the year, so let's spread out the celebrations, give us some things to talk about in every month. That's what I like to see. Yeah, I think Malkins, I just looked at it, I think he's like 19 away. Yeah, he will 19. get it. As of right now, he will get it on the road against the Chicago Blackhawks, I believe. And then the next game will be a home game against the Calgary Flames. I believe that's what it is. I, I, I'm almost 98% sure that that's what it is. And I believe it's also in November. Like, November 19th might be the Blackhawks game. And November 22nd might be the Flames game. If I'm if I'm saying that spot on, I, I'm impressed with myself, but nobody else gives a shit. So, um, the other playing ones to be named in the top 20 from the NHL Network, there are four others. Crosby and Malkin, of course, both named to the top 20 centers list. Jake Gensel named to the top 20 wingers list. There's one list remaining. And that is, well, I don't know if they do head coaches, but uh, 
we'll have to wait and see. But they do have to do goaltenders for sure, so we'll see where Tristan Jari lands. I think it's it's a guarantee that he's in the top 20. Uh, I would hope so. Yeah, if he's not, then there's something wrong. We just got to scrap all of these discussions because it loses all of its weight if they don't have Tristan Jari as a top 20 goaltender. Yeah, I think they do goalies and then kind of mush every position together and actually go with the top 20 in the Players, yeah. yeah. So that could be the fun one. That could be in two weeks is what I'm, I'm assuming, but we'll have to wait and see. But we're going to take one last quick break. When we return, we're going to close things out with our weekly Pens poll. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsidePenguins.com. I will try for those on YouTube to not fling my camera across the room this time. I apologize for that. But uh, we have a Pens poll this week. It goes along with what we talked about on Thursday's episode. If you want our in-depth analysis on our answers of this, go back to Thursday's episode. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on Inside the Penguins YouTube channel. All that fun jazz. But let's get into it, Horwat. Weekly Pens poll, the question of the month, basically. Are you excited about the potential return of the RoboPen logo? Did you see the results of this poll, Horwat? No, I did not see. I think they were big. I think I I think I like scrolled past them randomly once. Yes. They were it's fairly one-sided. What do you think won? I'm going to say that, yes, everyone's excited. That yes. seems to be the Twitter... Uh, consensus. Yeah, consensus. Yeah, and you, you would be 100% correct because 67% of our vo- voters said, yes, we're excited for the RoboPen. And 33%, which is honestly bigger than I expected. I expected 75-25, to be completely honest. But 33% said, no, I don't want to see that ugly-ass pitching back on Penguins jerseys. So... Obviously, do you still say yes? And then we'll talk about the little other wrinkle that was thrown in later last week. Uh, I'm going to say yes, and then I want to hear the wrinkle because I'm sure I have a rebuttal already. Well, as I'm, I'm going to look it up because this is a visual medium as well. But the wrinkle that we're talking about was a leak from, I believe, Adidas. And you know what it is now. So you can go into talking about it while I continue to look up the, uh, the image. Yeah. I think no matter what people say about it, I'm excited for it just because, A, it's something new. Mm-hmm. B, this whole it's cursed thing. Listen, listen, we're not wearing it in the playoffs. A. B, we're not going to wear it that often. It's If it's anything like the last one, we're wearing it, what, eight times? I forget what even the first reverse retro thing was. And then we're not going to wear it again. Mm-hmm. All the fans can own it. All the fans can wear it because that's really what all this is for. It is to drive fan interaction and to help rebuild some of the finances that were lost during the pandemic for these hockey teams and here's the yellow top on it and also it looks like it is more than just a yellow shoulder thing which would have been interesting had it just been like a yellow shoulder and then going from there but 
Looks like it's going to be another yellowish jersey. I'm still interested to see what it can be. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's where I'm, I'm at. Like I, I'm not happy that it's yellow. No, to be completely honest. But I'm intrigued because I don't think I I don't think they could just make a purely yellow jersey with that logo. I don't know if that would look appealing, and I don't know if they're honestly this will come off wrong. I don't know if they're stupid enough to do that. But something that Doug in our group chat, which honestly it has been one of the most fun things over this off season, he said gradient. And I said, what if it's a it's a vertical gradient where the yellow is on top and then it fades down into a little bit of gray where the logo is and then black. It's similar to what we saw, as you mentioned last week, from the Vancouver Canucks last season. Was it last season? Yeah. yeah two seasons ago. Okay. So maybe that's what it is. I mean, this, when you see it right under the Adidas, you see a, a piece of stitching. If you're not watching on YouTube, there's a piece of stitching that usually indicates the beginning of the actual jersey and the end of the shoulders and that's also yellow so i don't know what they're gonna do here obviously the the collar is black the adidas logo is black on it but i'm confused to see what they end up doing with it obviously we can only get so much from a small image of the upper back of the jersey but it is looking like yellow will be a primary color and it looks like the robo pen will also be included in some way shape or form now I'm sitting here trying to dissect it because if you think of the Penguins jerseys that that were that were involved with this triangle Robo Pen logo, we would already see some sort of stripage in the yeah. leaked image here. That we would already see something. So it's going to be something intriguing. Yeah, it's going to be something different. I think that's the biggest thing we can take away from it. It's not going to be anything we've seen before i feel like i mean there's gonna be obviously like the, the robo pen logo will be on that but it's gonna be i i feel like it's gonna be leaving the norm of the pittsburgh penguins normal jerseys it it fully might be especially considering even like some of the i'm trying to really think back of the last time we had a jersey that didn't have anything kind of on the shoulder pads or would have changed by the at that point i mean the ones we have now but there's no nameplate visible here either no so but, like, that's right where the nameplate would sit, so... Yeah, I, I don't think that you can read too much into that. No, but I'm saying, like, that's kind of where, like, the design would start changing colors. I'm trying... Yeah. The only I mean, other... The stupidly ro- enough... Yeah. Go ahead. I was, like, I was gonna... Other... Go ahead. I'll let you go. Yeah, because the only other go. jersey that I'm thinking of that um, didn't have a shoulder change color uh, was, like, the Sidney Crosby rookie year jersey with those triangle sides. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting, and it's going to be intriguing. I don't know when this is supposed to drop, when the full jerseys are supposed to drop. I know last time they did Reverse Retro, they dropped all 31 at one time, which was crazy. It was a lot to digest. We had the jersey god Tom Franklin come on to the show, uh, but I'm intrigued to see what this ends up being, especially because it came out as yellow on Thursday when we were talking about it for a lot longer than we need to continue to talk about it. I said... It's all going to be on execution. How do they execute this? And this was an early indicator that they're behind the eight ball on it. So we'll see what ends up happening with it. Yeah, at this, I, I really try not to predict or get angry about things that we don't have tangibly in front of us. Yeah, but we discuss it because it's August. Of course. So I'm. <laughs> so from there, I'm just going to kind of leave it. Mm-hmm. Just be like, all right, just now, just show me the final product. Overall, again. 
I don't care about what people say is wrong with the logo. I don't care because guess what? Don't buy it. How about that? You don't yeah. have to buy it. We're not going to wear it in the playoffs. We're not going to wear it that often. We're going to wear it for a season, and then everyone can own it themselves, go mm-hmm. from there. I'm excited for it to come back because it's something new for the yeah. time. Yeah. And, again, it's always fun having these discussions. Like we said, it's August. We're going to have a discussion like this. But, again, at the moment, I'm just not going to read into it. I'm going to say I'm not liking the yellow we see. But I'm excited to see what we get just because it is something new. Uh, and that's it. I don't, yeah. I'm not going to try and get worked up over it. Well, like you said, it is an August conversation, but it is our last August conversation because by the time we come to you next time on Thursday, it'll be September. It'll be the month of training camp. We are just about three weeks away from all the Pittsburgh Penguins coming back onto the ice at the UPMC Lemieux 66 Complex. We're excited to see that. I'm excited to hopefully be up there for the first weekend, get you guys all the in-depth, whatever you want to you want to see, who's practicing with who, who's skating with who, even though it's the first three days, and they usually don't mean that very much. But we'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. We're going to be talking a lot about training camp and who can impress and who has the opportunity to make the biggest jump at the 2022 Pittsburgh Penguins training camp. That's going to do it for this one. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a great week, Pens fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and Inside the Penguins dot com.